Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Live with you on a Monday evening in Monte Carlo from the Sunshine Double. We have segued to the Red Clay Triple. Three Masters 1000s in the next six weeks on the European Clay. And we started today on the banks of that beautiful Mediterranean Sea. Coming up on the show, will it be one of the usual clay suspects who lifts the trophy in Monte Carlo? Or will an interloper write his name into the storyline? We take our first step down the road to Roland Garros. Look who's back from his involuntary sabbatical. Novak unable to play in the States. Will he make up for lost time? And after a wet but productive week in Houston, Big Foe finds himself on the verge of a big tennis milestone. With that, we welcome you to Tennis Channel Live on this Monday and say hi as we begin week 15 of the tennis season with Jan Michael Gamble and Chris Eubanks. I'm Brett Haber. Uh, one of the three of us, just made the quarterfinals at Miami and deserves a round of applause. <laughs> Welcome to the top 90, sir. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It feels good. It feels good to be back. I, I play some of my best tennis after I get to talk with you guys here at Tennis Channel. So that's why I decided to come back, keep this thing going. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, man, those were some emotional times out in Miami. It's, fun, it's funny. I didn't hear you saying, what just happened? What just happened? I had to call six hours of Krajinovic and uh, <laughs> Batista. It wasn't quite the same reaction, but no, still. No, not nearly, but uh, so much fun all around. Uh, so let's, you know, glory is fleeting. Let's put you back to work. The both of you guys called pieces of that batista Gutta krajinovic match. Man, that second set tiebreak was high level. That was amazing tennis. It's always most fun when you see a match being decided by great shots, winners, shot making. And there was a lot of that in the tiebreak. Krajinovic started out so well in the first set and then of course RBA just continues to work his way into the match he's the working man and and he figured out a way to get back in that one it was tricky though that second set tiebreaker showed some of the best tennis I think I've ever seen I think there was a mm. stretch of about six or seven points in a row in which it ended in winners from both players Bautista Gut came out with the goods right at the end and then just rolled that momentum so a pretty convincing third set win. Some pretty amazing passing shots. We'll have highlights a little bit later on, but let's go to some earlier matches in the day. We start with the match that uh, was third on stadium. Andy Murray back in Monte Carlo for the first time since 2017. Chris taking on Alex Dimonor. Yeah, taking on one of the toughest competitors as well, and Alex Dimonor on tour. And today, Demon just came out with a clear game plan, wanted to pin Murray in the backhand side, force him into the deuce side off the forehand, and just make him move. Murray, obviously one of the best movers in the history of tennis but at this stage in his career the movement just is not what it used to be and honestly as the match progressed Murray just seemed to be misfiring a lot specifically on the backhand side which was a bit unusual but then Demon just started to continue to get his teeth into the match forcing Murray to go for errors and then actually able to just come out and play good tennis when he needed to right at the end. Dimonor won this match despite serving just 35% first serves in, never faced a break point anyway. Murray won and done says so long. Demon talked about starting his play campaign with a W. Extremely happy, especially being my first match on, on play. It was never going to be easy, but uh, I, I was really 
really happy with the way I started the match and, and almost finished the match. Uh, to be honest, I had a little hiccup at the end where things got a little bit tight and, and you know, you've got so much respect for someone like Andy. So it's always tough to finish a match like that, but uh, very happy with the win and happy to start my clay season. All right, first match of the day on court Renier, Stan Wawrinka returning to the site of his only Masters 1000 title. He won it in 2014, taking on Reichsburg. Yeah, that backhand that we know so well, just misfiring there. The first set, it cost him a little bit, too many errors in the first set, but he figured it out. Wawrinka showing that he can still move, and you better drop shot him well. The overhead was working extremely well as well today for Stan the man and really started working the court, using the clay. He loves the clay. He's playing against a guy who's had some great yeah, results this year in good sports. So certainly a difficult match, and here we end up in the second set at 4-3, 30 all big point here. The forehand doing some great work as well for Stan the man. And again, having to finish with the overheads, Gutsburg put him through as many paces as he could, but finally, Warrenka here, 5-4, match point. It's not enough on the day, and this meant a lot, I think, for the 38-year-old Warrenka to get through another tough match. All right, uh, next on Court Renier, Cressy back to the country of his birth, taking on the hard-hitting Matteo Berrettini. Yeah, and Matteo, just from the baseline, really had all the answers, as you might expect for Cressy. You see a great backhand pass there. He follows it up with another. Well, you know you're going to have to pass... Maxine Cassie, when you're on the court with him, he's going to come forward often on the clay. It's going to be a little bit more difficult for him to execute on those follies. Good first serve there to finish off that first set. And here, going for the double break. Tricky little shot, gets it done. So really kind of cruising through the bulk of this second set. And a nice clean serve to finish it off. Bettini needed this, I think, to get himself some confidence moving forward into the clay court season. Hasn't had the year that he's, we would expect of him, obviously getting off an injury. So, very good result there. All right, let's stick with the Americans. Mackie McDonald playing his opener against the 26-year-old lefty Ivan Yakov. Yes, the 26-year-old lefty who was actually an alternate into qualifying. Ranking at the time, not able to get him into qualifying. Decided to show up, hope that someone would pull out last minute. They did. He qualified and played an exceptional match today against McKenzie McDonald. Mackie is one of the fiercest competitors on tour. But on the dirt on today, Gakov just seemed to have all the right answers. Tough first set in the tiebreaker. Maggie kind of got his feet into the match, was able to play a pretty convincing and pretty confident, strong second set to take that 6-2. But again, behind Gakov was just able to claw his way back into it, using the lefty forehand, trying to get the ball up and out of Mackenzie McDonald's strike zone. Was able to force the error and just force Maggie in all types of uncomfortable situations throughout the day. Was able to come out on top with the win. And you will see just how much this means to him. A player, 26 years old, ranked around 180 in the world, getting his first Masters 1000 victory, and you can just see the emotion on his face. How about first tour level victory of any flavor? So as we look at the draw, congratulations, you get to play Novak Djokovic in the second round. Uh, this is the first match for Novak since Dubai in late February. By the way, it's Musetti, Herkoc, and Sinner, the other seeds in that quarter of the draw. Let's hear from Novak as he talks about getting back to business after the layoff. I do pick and choose the events where I want to peak and how I want to build my form and how I want to work around my schedule. So there are certain events, in this case, of course, Grand Slams, uh, are the, the tournaments where I, where I peak. 
Um, so that's that's the case, of course, for clay season. It's Roland Garros. It's no secret, you know, where I want to be able to play my best tennis. Anywhere you go, any tournament you play, you want to you want to win. I mean, at least that's you know has been my mentality, uh, and I have won. You know, basically all the tournaments, so I always have that kind of in the back of my mind, knowing uh, approaching the tournament again, knowing that I have done it. Why not to think that I can do it again? That was the most low-key humble brag I've ever <laughs> I've heard. I have kind of won all the tournaments, all the tournaments <laughs> twice at least. <laughs> A lot of times. Um, so, what should we expect from Novak after the six-week layoff? Is he going to need to ramp it back up, or is he going to hit the ground running? I think he just is more of the same is what he needs is it's continue to play at the level he's been playing at. It's been unbelievable. He he lost and then regained the number one ranking without even playing, which is kind of interesting. To you know why? Out. Because he's won all the tournaments. <laughs> he's won them all. Um, what about this tournament in particular? He actually hasn't been past the quarterfinals since 2015 compared to, say, Rome, where he's made, what, eight out of what? Nice nine finals. Why doesn't this tournament necessarily agree with him in the same way? I think he spoke about it a little bit in saying he picks and chooses the tournaments in which he wants to peak at. And I think coming off of a lot of times playing the Sunshine Double mm -hmm. in Eden Wells to Miami, Monte Carlo's the first one on the clay. He hasn't really gotten his clay footing yet. Still trying to adapt and, and get things to where he likes them, but that's why we always see in Rome, right before the French Open, he starts to show some of his best form. And I think that's where in the past, he plays some of his best tennis. I expect him to come out firing this week in Monte Carlo. If you can miss the Sunshine Double altogether and still regain the number one ranking, given that he plays a judicious schedule to begin with, could it be that that wasn't the worst thing in the world for him to, to get a month off midseason to gear up for, for a busy stretch here? Yeah, I think if he wants to go and win the Roland Garros, which is the goal, right? That's, what he, that's the big tournament for him to, to really point out in the clay court season. I, I think that's going to be helpful. He... He will have rested his body. He's going to be ready to go. It, it's unfortunate to miss those two amazing tournaments. I think he would like to have played those events and, and, and been there. But uh, uh, in, in the scheme, grand scheme of things, over the course of a year, it's, it's not going to hurt him. Completely agree. I mean, I, I couldn't say it any better. I think that this time is going to prepare him as well as possible for the French Open. I think the loss that he had last year is really going to really work to motivate him to really want to get that title. He, we, always, we all know how important the GOAT Grand Slam debate is in tennis and specifically is for him. So I'm sure that's something he's going to gear towards. He wants to win Roland Garros, and I think he's going to get off to a great start here in Monte Carlo, and he can be able to do that. Did not get off to a great start in Monte Carlo last year. Lost his opening match to Davidovich Fokina. That was his earliest loss in a Masters 1000 in five years. So he'll look to better that this year. Much more for us to get to on this Monday TC Live. More highlights from the key matches in Monte Carlo. Plus, Big Foe lifts a big trophy on Sunday. Now finds himself on the doorstep of a major milestone. We'll give you the details when TC Live continues after this. TC Live and a reminder that Tennis.com is the best way to keep up with the entire clay court season. Check it out today for live scores, stats, results. Follow the draws and get easy access to full match replays on TennisChannel.com. Just download the app or visit the website to get the full European clay experience. Time now to say happy birthday to us as Tennis Channel celebrates its 20-year love affair with this sport. Here's Paul Anthony. Tennis Channel is my lifeblood. Um, you can ask my wife. She will tell you begrudgingly that it's my lifeblood. One of the things I found when I came to Tennis Channel is 
that the underlying love of the game and also the camaraderie between people in front of the camera and behind the camera makes it like a family environment. We have such a great time elbowing each other in the ribs. Uh, we have such a good time kind of listening and learning from each other, being serious when we have to be serious, but also having a great time doing it. And the thing about the people that work here, it's just like the great tennis players on tour. Everyone's got a different personality. So we have a lot of different people with a lot of different personalities, which I find really enjoyable. It is a melting pot of personalities, but I think the underlying theme is that we're one big happy family and we love what we do and we get to share it with each other and have a great time while we do it. Happy birthday, Tennis Channel. And people like Paul around here because he brings a dozen donuts for the crew every Friday morning. I think that's over 1,200 donuts that Paul's brought in 20 years. Uh, don't forget that we will continue traveling down memory lane throughout the week on TC Live and get birthday wishes from some of your favorite players as well. More to come on today's show, including a battle of two one-handed backhands from opposite ends of the spectrum. That and much more when Jan Mike and the bespectacled Chris Eubanks and I return. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Back on TC Live, Monte Carlo week is a perfect week for a multi-screen tennis channel experience. On top of all the linear matches you've been watching on TC, we've got additional matches all week on the Bally's Regional Sports Networks, plus T2 on your Samsung device. Jan Mike and Leif Shires will have you covered tomorrow with these matches and more starting at 8 a.m. Eastern. Let us get back to the highlights. This is the match that you were watching before TC Live, the one-handed backhand duel between Team and Gasquet. Oh, this was a fun matchup. So much fun shot making off the backhand side. We saw a lot of variety from Gasquet using, trying to use the drop shot at times. But honestly, it was a twin, it was an 18-minute game in the second game of the match, and whoever won that game was able to ride that momentum out. That was Dominic Team. Dominic Team started to show some flashes of some of the best tennis that we've seen over him from the past over the past year. Really dictating on the forehand of taking away a lot of the errors that had come to cause him a lot of issues over the past few months, and just played a really, really clean match. Yes, they tried to get his teeth in it, tried to mix in some variety. Dominic Team just really showed why he is such a formidable opponent, especially on the red dirt. A lot of the high backhands that he was having to deal with early in the match began to find more and more forehands. At the end of the day, it was just too much for Richard Gasquet. Team never faced break point in the match, lost just four points on his first serve. That's starting to look a little more like the Dominic Team that we're used to. How about first match of the day on Court de Prince? Clay Court Camp Nori taking on Francisco Serundolo. Yeah, boy, did this match turn out a little bit differently than you might think, as well as Cam Williams pulled his ears off. Already had a win over Carlos Alcaraz on the clay, but Francisco Serendolo played some awesome tennis today. Finished that first set off with that drop shot before him. He was working very well as well. And able to outlast Nori in some of these exchanges, you would expect Nori to come up 
Dewis, look at that drop shot, showing some finesse as well as the good power. Surrender with one of my favorite forehands in the game, but also working the backhands well. Yeah. 24 winners on this match, and only 19 unforced errors. All right, so Sarundalo had a great serving day as well. Won 26 out of 29 when his first serve went in. Nori barely won half of his first serve points. Let's go to the match that followed, which was also Britain against Argentina. Jack Draper against Sebastian Baez. And this one, another somewhat of a surprise with Baez. This is his best surface, the clay. He does a lot of his good work on the clay. Most of his matches won. But Draper coming out and just serving well. Came to that quite often, 11 for 19 at the net, but a lot of the big points he was coming forward, making some gutsy plays, and really executing well. That ball just misses on the baseline there for the first set, 6-3. Second set a little bit trickier, but again, coming forward in all the right moments. Another good ball, he just blocking it off. Baez, just one out of 12 on break chances. That was a key stat in the match while Draper was able to convert three out of four. So Draper now meets Hubie Hercotch in round two. Some other scores from Monte Carlo today. Albert ramos Vignolas made the final here in 2017. He goes down to Jan Lennart Struff. Popperin qualifies and then beats the lucky loser, Lajevic. And Bonzi takes out Zapata. Mariah sets up a second rounder with the two-time champ Stefanos Sitsipas. With that, time for a little social net on a Monday, and we've got to talk about Big Foe, who wins his second career title in Houston yesterday, moves up to a career-high number 11 in the rankings, just 200 points out of the top 10 for the first time. Chris, been a pretty exciting six months for Big Foe. Oh, man, I'm so happy for him to see the hard work that he's put in, the, 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 the commitment that he's had to his career, to his body, to all of the little things off the court, and to see all of these results paying off. Couldn't have happened to a better person, man. Francis is so good for the sport. He's inspiring so many people to follow tennis. So many more people are getting involved in the sport because they want to support him and support his story, and it's really incredible to see. Profesh, isn't he, Jan Mike, now? Absolutely. So professional. How exciting it would be to have Fritz and Tiafa both in the top ten. It's very possible that could, that could happen quickly. And for me, for Francis, this, this event for him, being the number one seed, all the pressure on him and getting through the draw, not dropping a set, just went through it and did the work. It was hard. Hard, had to play a couple of matches in a row in the last couple of days. There was rain, a lot of different elements, and he did it all so well um, with Francis Tiafoe's style. And uh, it's just fantastic what we're seeing from this guy. And I got to circle back to Miami because Eubanks is in a rain delay. He's playing Gregoire Barrere with a chance to get into the top 100. Wins the first set, but what are you down? 5 2 in the tiebreak when the rain came. If you win the tiebreak or win this in three sets, you're going to the top one, and you ran into foe in the locker room, pick up the story there. Yeah, Francis, he made sure to track me down. I walk into the locker room. He's having a conversation with his coach and Wayne Ferrer, and I just kind of look and I say, how's your match going? He gives me a little bit of a smirk and a laugh, so I kind of know that's probably not going in the Wait, hold on, wait, but right first, <laughs> tell me how he shouted for you in the locker room. So I'm, I'm uh, in the back of the locker room, and all of a sudden I hear something mutter that sounds kind of familiar by the name of Toothpick. And uh, which is Francis's endearing nickname for me. So we one. go on about our day. I can't ignore him the first time. And I, the second time I hear it, I go, yeah, I'm in here. He comes and he follows me. He then checks in with me. How's your match going? What's going on out there? I said, man, I'm playing well, but I'm down in the breaker. That's when we come out, this rain delay, maybe try to find a rhythm for the third set. He looks at me with this confused look. He said, man, you could go out there and win seven points in a row. He's like, don't plan for a third set. You go out there and try to win this set immediately. I go out, lose the first point, go down 6-2. And then it's like things started to turn. So after the match, I have to give a lot of credit to Francis Tiafoe for that 
bit of a pep talk. He won 8-6 in the breaker. He did win six points in a row. <laughs> Toothpick! That's never, you, you know that's going to stick. It already has. Uh, Billie Jean King Cup this weekend in Delray Beach, Florida. Team USA is set. It is going to be Pagula and Goff and Collins and McNally. And uh, Sophia Kennan has stepped in to replace Madison Keys, who picked up a bit of an injury in Charleston. The boy, Jesse Pagula has played a lot of tennis. Is she going to lead this team, Jan Mike? Oh, she's absolutely going to lead this team. And uh, not far behind is Coco Goff. I, I have a feeling that that's going to be the lineup. It's Pagula and Goff playing the singles and the doubles. I would be surprised if it's anything else. Um, because they've been playing such high-level doubles as well as the singles. So I'm pretty confident in the team. I think that they're going to perform extremely well. We're lucky to have them. All right, a lot of backup on that team just in case. Jesse can't go. She's played a lot of tennis. Nice to have Danielle Collins in there. Sophia Kennan has been improved, and Katie McNally is now inside the top 75. So we'll have that coverage for you on Friday and Saturday here on Tennis Channel. Don't forget how you can plan your date tomorrow, 5 a.m. Eastern on Tennis Channel from Monte Carlo. Valleys and T2 picks it up at 8 a.m. We'll be back with another TC Live at 1 and encore coverage all day and into the night back on TC Live with a hot shot you don't want to miss. Well, our hot shot of the day is actually from yesterday in the final of Charleston. Bottom of your screen is Anz Jabur. How about that, Gemma? Her godlike talent on display, not just the tweener, but then the slice pass. You don't see slice passes all that often. Benchich with actually a pretty good volley, but this is the answer to that. You got that shot? You think? Oh, I wish I had it, but just <laughs> the fact that she did it down, I mean, up break point. Uh, while uh, Benchich is serving for the first set, makes it even more impressive. He didn't just do it at a point that didn't matter. That's pretty big time. Forward facer facing tweener by necessity. Here are your feature <laughs> matches in Monte Carlo tomorrow, starting with the two Sashas, Zverev and Bublik. Uh, ben Shelton will make his Monte Carlo debut against Grigor Dimitrov, and Novak makes his return after six weeks away. Our team on the ground, Danny Kleppinger and Prakash Amitraj, have a preview. All right, Brett, back at the FanDuel desk here. P. Grigor Dimitrov and the young American Ben Shelton meeting for the first time. Going to be a fun one. How do you see this one playing out? Well, you got to give the experience to Dimitrov. He's played well here over the years. Last year made the semis, almost took out Fokina to get into the final. Shelton, though, he's, he's got that exuberance. His first trip over here to Europe, had a good time in Estoril. Still seems to be finding his way on clay, so you probably have to lean towards Dimitrov, but I think we're going to see some excellent shot making, and Shelton has been surprising us all year, so I can't wait. Excellent tennis all around here. Looking forward to a big Tuesday here in Monaco. All right, we are two guys. Can't wait to see you tomorrow. Let's preview a couple of those key matches tomorrow, starting with Stefano Tsitsipas against Benjamin Bonzi, the Frenchman. Tsitsipas, the two-time defending champion here. However, on the hard courts, we saw how much he was hampered by the shoulder injury. What should we expect from him on the clay? You know, it was pretty strange. He made reference to the shoulder injury, and now he's going to clay, which tends to be a little bit heavier conditions. And so it's going to be interesting to see how he progresses through it. He seemed to be able to manage the shoulder injury pretty well in Miami. He said the clay court season is the time of year in which he wants to really peak for. So hopefully he was able to manage it well enough in Miami. Didn't cause too much damage, but I'm looking forward to seeing how he adjusts once he gets over to the red clay. What do you expect from Sitsipas? Well, I expect him. He, he loves his tournament. He's won it twice in a row. That is not easy to do at a Masters 1000 event. So I think he'll play high level. It's the, it's the backhand, isn't it? It's going to be the tricky thing. And, and that's not an easy first round. That's a player who's been playing better and better tennis. And so he can be very attacking and he can hit the ball big through the court. 
Can it be enough on the clay? I don't think so. I think that uh, Stefanos will have the answers. He played very high level in the doubles. He's already had some time on the court. With his brother. With his brother. They want a match together. They played some <laughs> high level tennis uh, in that doubles match. So I think he's going to be pretty pretty uh, set, ready to go. All right. We're also looking forward to the match between the two, Sasha Zverev and Bublik tomorrow. We're almost a year removed now from the ankle injury with Zverev at Roland Garros. What, what percent of normal Zverev would you say he's at right now based on what you've seen so far? I think he's somewhere in the 90s. Really? I think, I think he's starting to, as far as movement, I okay. think his movement is, is it seems to be okay. Um, mentally, he's, he's probably not where he wants to be. I think that he's, maybe he's just a little bit of doubt in his game that you're not used to seeing. Um, but I think that he's playing some pretty high-level tennis again. I expect him to get through that match. If you did not get a credential to go to a tennis tournament for free, would you pay to watch Sasha Bublik play. I certainly would. Yeah, I find I him to be one of the most entertaining guys. On Absolutely. The floor. There's a risk associated with it at times. We don't know, but I think Bublik has done a great job of being very professional over these past few months. I think that's going to be a great match against Verif, and I'm looking forward to checking it out. We all are. Coverage begins tomorrow morning, 5 a.m. Eastern on Tennis Channel T2, and Bally's picks it up at 8 a.m. Eastern for Jan, Mike, and Chris, and Prakash and Danny in Monte Carlo. Hey, toothpick, good job. Be back tomorrow as Stan signs off for a Monday in MC.